Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I am pleased to have three guest speakers for our Father's Day worship experience. Cyrus White, William Leon, our own pastor Nate. I know you will be blessed. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We will continue our systematic study of Daniel next Sunday. Uh, invite your friends and family. But today is a special Father's Day celebration. Take care. Good morning, City Church. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, thank you for joining us for this Father's Day service. Um, I hope that this service continues to be a blessing uh, to you. Uh, will you just please join me in prayer? Uh, Lord, Father God, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord, Father God. Thank you for being merciful towards us and being gracious enough to wake us up this morning, Lord, Father God, and bring us here, Lord, Father God, where we can fellowship with one another, Lord. Lord, I ask, Lord, Father God, that I decrease as you increase, Lord, Father God, so your people can be um, encouraged and edified by your word, Lord, Father God, and not mine, Lord. Lord, Father God, I ask you that you lift my pastor up, Lord, Father God, and strengthen him and keep him, Lord, Father God. We pray for his wife, Lord, Father God, Sister Meeks, who loves him and supports him, Lord, Father God. We pray for the whole city church family, Lord, Father God, that you can continue Lord Father God, being a, a source of refuge and strength, Lord Father God, for them Lord, in this troubling time, Lord. And Lord Father God, we just want to say that we love you, Lord, and that we always will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be reading from the book of Mark, um, uh, chapter 9, verses 14 through 25. And it says, when they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and experts in the law arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran at once and greeted him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? A member of the crowd said to them, to him, teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able to do so. He answered them, you unbelieving generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I endure you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him and immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, he fell on the ground and rode around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But, but if you are able to do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you are, a if you are able, all things are possible for the ones who believe. Immediately the father of the boy cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, when Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. See, there's going to be times when um, when us as fathers, if you haven't already dealt with it, uh, you will, as long as you live long enough. There are going to be situations that you just cannot solve. It's going to be difficult situations that you're going to go through with your children that you're that you're going to have to be humble enough to go into your prayer closet and ask God for 
for a vision, ask God for an answer to this particular situation that goes on. So I just wanted to say that before we continue. So when we think about fatherhood, we look at the definition of father, which there are many definitions, right? But this is what's one that I've seen. It says means to uh, treat with protective care, means being involved, being behaving responsibly, being emotionally engaged, physically available, providing financial support, and having influence in child raising um, decisions. But I also say that you should, I mean, also should be that you should be, uh, a father should include being faithful in prayer. And that um, being for being a priest in the home and teaching our uh, our sons and our daughters how to be a Christian, you know, as they grow older. Um, I want to say this, that when I uh, was being a father and I put uh, many I put my father through many, many difficult situations. But there one thing that I am for certain that I am th extremely thankful for is that. He's never gave up on me and that um, that unconditional love that he had for me was the same unconditional love that this particular father had for this for his child that had this um, spirit that's taken over his life. So I just want to say that um, fathers and I want to implore you and encourage you that that is one of the requirements that 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 we that 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 is expected of us as as a father is this to show that unconditional love uh for our children and uh, to be patient with them that regardless of what's going on and through the process is is, is trusting God um, for their deliverance, for whatever may be um, happening. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. And I also want to speak to um, some of the fathers that probably didn't have a father growing up, you know, because God says that he is a father to the to the fatherless, you know. So God is still, you know, with you. And that if you chose and you decided to become uh, a, um, a part of Jesus Christ, that he has not forgotten you and that that is a miracle in itself that you will allow yourself to be led by the spirit and not be led by your past and about what happened and when you didn't have a father and that you allow God to be the father of your life. And that's a miracle every day that how you choose to minister to your your daughters, your sons and how you try to not be what was in the past and that you're trying to be something new and creating a different pathway with God walking you through it and allowing the Bible to minister to you. All I can say is that I, I applaud you and I commend you for, for being the fathers that that you are today and allowing God to mold your heart and mold your mind and transform you to being the father that you are today. So I just want to just encourage you guys that and all the fathers together that we would just allow that the, um, the Bible to be the blueprint for us to to be better fathers that than what we are today. Some of us we learn need to learn how to have more patience. 
Some of us need to learn how to make ourselves more available to our families. I'm not talking about just sitting on a couch. I'm talking about being emotionally available to them and being accessible to our family members and everything and to our children. So being a father isn't some trivial thing. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a title that we share with God himself. So I just want to say that, um, have honor with having that title that God bestowed upon you and that he knew and purposed you to be a father even before the foundations of the world. And he's trusting you to, to raise his children appropriately and raise them in the way that they that they should go. So I just want to just continue to encourage you guys that you guys are amazing fathers and don't let anyone tell you different. Just allow just uh, the spirit of God to just continue to mold your minds and continue to have your spirit renewed daily. And just let the spirit of God just continue just to um, make you even better fathers than what you were before. Let the Bible continue to be that roadmap for peace and for guidance, for strength, and continue just to have reverence for the and everything like that. So the fathers at City Church, pastor, um, deacons, everyone, I want to say from the bottom of my heart that I love you and that um, I want to wish you guys this a very happy, happy, happy Father's Day, you know, and just... Thank you guys for stepping up and being the amazing fathers that you guys are. And I can, I just continue and I pray for you guys' growth. And I love you guys so much. So God bless you all. Thank you guys. Good morning. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak again today. I think I'm going to be pretty short. I'm going to highlight two aspects of the text that stood out to me the most from Mark 9, 14 through 25. The first is the father's single-mindedness in the whole situation. The second is what happens to the child at first when he's brought to Jesus. Let me first start in prayer before I get started. God, we thank you for this time and pray that you use this message to encourage us to change and to seek you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll start by reading the first bit of text again, starting in Mark 9:14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. And it says, a man in the crowd answered. Looking at the text, it seems logical that Jesus was asking the question either to the disciples or to the teachers of the law, but the first person to say anything isn't from either of those groups. The father lays out the scenario immediately. Here's the problem with my son. Your disciples couldn't fix it. He doesn't go further to explain exactly what the argument is about either. When reading this, I had always assumed that it had something to do with the disciples' inability to drive out the impure spirit, but upon further reflection, the argument could have been about a whole host of things. For example, 
Is it really an impure spirit? Maybe he just has epilepsy and needs some medicine or to go see a doctor. Was it lawful for the disciples to try to drive out the spirit? Why couldn't the disciples drive out the spirit? Were the disciples following the wrong rabbi? But the point is, to the father, the actual substance of the argument doesn't matter. In this circumstance, he is entirely focused on trying to save his son and unwilling to be distracted by anything else. We can see this focus again later in the chapter. Picking up in verse 21, Jesus asks the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In this case, the father answers Jesus' question, but immediately turns it to plea for help. His response to Jesus' question is short, just one sentence, providing very little background to the situation, just what Jesus may want to know. And then, unwilling to be distracted from his purpose, he asks if Jesus can do anything for them. On one hand, I want to commend the Father for being so focused. He is undistracted by the argument between the disciples and the teachers of the law, since it's tangential to what he needs to accomplish. He isn't distracted even by Jesus' inquiry into the background of the case. I think it's easy for us to get distracted, and I rarely see this type of resolve. In work, in my spiritual life, in my relationships, it's easy to be distracted. I don't know if you get these, but my phone will send me weekly updates on my time spent on various apps. I know that several times in the last few months, I've had what I felt like were the busiest times I've ever had at work, with pressing, stressful deadlines. And in the midst of that week, I'll get one of these notifications that says, your screen time is up 20% from last week, or you've spent 25% more time on Instagram than last week. So, clearly not as focused as maybe I think I am. Or, in our relationships, can you think about whether or not you were fully present at the dinner table? or when faced with the choice to make that phone call, send that text, or send a checkup email? How many times do we allow ourselves to be distracted or just decide to procrastinate? More spiritually, when the goal is to love God and love others, how often do we get distracted by arguments on minor points of theology or decide to make a big deal about differences in how people worship and praise God? How many times are we unwilling just to be humble or even just be wrong? As Mark says sometimes, why not just allow yourself to be wrong? It's easy to get distracted, and the Father displays focus on this goal admirably. At the same time, we can be too focused on seeking help for our problems to recognize who the Helper is. We can be too focused on seeking help for our problems to recognize the true source of help. In the father's desire to find a solution for his son, I think he is blind to who he's actually talking to. Again, in verse 22, he says, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus answers him, If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Jesus is saying, Do you know who you're talking to? I'm Jesus, the word of God who was there in the beginning. It's me you're talking to. 
I have a sense that this father was looking anywhere he could find a solution and was not discerning in who or where he went. For us too, when something is wrong, it's easy to seek help from almost anywhere. And yet in so many cases where we need to start is Jesus. So in summary for that point, don't be distracted by things that don't matter, but also don't be distracted by what you're trying to accomplish and forget that it is God who can accomplish all things. The second point that stood out to me was what happened immediately when the child is presented to Jesus. Going back to verse 19, Jesus says, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. The first thing that happens when he sees Jesus, he starts foaming at the mouth and going into a seizure. As a father, my first instinct, if Clement were to do this in response to seeing someone, would be to grab him and run away. But sometimes, as we draw near to God, especially if we have been distant from him, the more uncomfortable things may get in the short term. In the past two weeks, Pastor Mark has spoke about obedience as a precursor to reward, and we've discussed obedience to God as teaching us about God's character. As we draw near to God, he reveals what in our life is impure, what in our life is inconsistent with this character of being a holy God. If we're truly being sanctified and growing in our relationship with God, then these parts of our life need to change or need to go, and it can be uncomfortable for us. It can also be uncomfortable for others, too. I was talking with someone who shared with me that he grew up in a Christian home and grew up going to church. But it wasn't until now, in his late 30s, that he realized that if he really believed what he said he believed, that his life would reflect differently. If he truly believed that Jesus was the Savior, he would devote more time to his walk with God and would need to change how he lived. He shared with me how he had committed to reading just one word of the Bible a day, deciding something was better than nothing, and that one word should be so easy that he could hold himself accountable to that. And he shared about how he was listening to more sermons, um, changing his walk, spending more time at church. And while listening about his excitement and what God was doing in his life, I also asked about how his renewal of faith was perceived by others in his life. He said this traumatic change is something he arrived at himself, and it had caught his wife off guard. She wasn't sure where this enthusiasm for God had been earlier in their relationship. And while there were many positive changes in his life, she still had to process herself if she wanted that change, too. When we draw near to God, things can seem hard. We need to get rid of our little G's, gods. But each of these may still want to cling to us. And when we bring others along in our journey to God, they may experience the same thing, too. But Jesus is sufficient for us and is a greater reward than the little g-gods. I'll close out by reading the end of the passage. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. The father realizes who he is talking to and immediately believes. Jesus casts out the impure spirit, and in place of the spirit who had left the child ravaged so much that everyone presumed he was dead, Jesus gently takes him by the hand and lifts him up. Almost done. So, Jesus cast out the impure spirit, and in place of the spirit who had left the child ravaged, so much that everyone presumed he was dead, Jesus gently takes him by the hand and lifts him up. In what was originally happening, it looked like Jesus' presence almost made things worse. At first, the child starts having a seizure. Then maybe everyone thinks he's dead. I'm sure the father would rather the child keep his condition, but be alive. But when we come to Jesus, we do not end up worse off. We end this story seeing the Savior who conquered the Spirit and gently brings us back to our feet. Thank you. Yo, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, happy Father's Day, uh, Pastor Meeks. Um, thank you for this opportunity to be able to share today uh, some brief words of encouragement uh, to all the fathers uh, on this day, um, to all my black fathers out there who have um, an extra chip on your shoulder right now with everything that's going on. You may be holding your babies a little closer holding your family a little closer. I know that I'm praying for and with you um, and standing in the gap. And so I just want to, um, again, say happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Today is our day, and I'm not talking about socks and underwear. It's time for us to celebrate with some um, uh, filet mignon, uh, some lobster, some shrimp, you know what I'm saying, to all my vegetarians, whatever y'all eat that is high class, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so let's get to this word. Um, my title was very simple, just a word to the fathers, a word to uh, the fathers. And I want to share with you the lens that Pastor Meeks gave me to look through as in, in, in dealing with the text. And so there's three points that he shared um, in asking uh, us, the speakers, to go through. And the three points are, one, a caring father, two, a um dealing with a difficult situation and a capable savior in Hiller. All right. So a caring father who's dealing with a difficult situation and a capable savior in Hiller. So in our lives right now, everything that's going on, how many of you are facing difficult situations? How many fathers out there are wrestling? And I know this for a fact off top. I do know this being a father is difficult. Being a father is a challenge. Um, sometimes you don't know what to do. Right. You don't know how to be the father uh, that, that we don't get no manual. We don't get no instructional guidebook that says, uh, father, when the, you know, uh, to the father, uh, when your baby comes uh, from day one into the end, this is how you're supposed to operate. We don't get that. We don't get the luxury of that. Uh, but we do get 
it's access to the Holy Spirit. We do have access to to God, who is our Father, who cares for us. And so, in looking at this caring Father uh, dealing with this difficult situation, but meets a capable Savior and Healer, I want to look at Mark nine verse fourteen to twenty uh, to twenty five. So that's Mark, the Gospel of Mark, uh, verses fourteen to twenty five. And I want you to look at the text, and I'm not going to read it over. I just want to kind of um, pull out some things that spoke to me. And hopefully they speak and encourage to you, uh, encourage you as well. So um, one of the things that we realize is that um, looking at the text, Jesus was coming down off the mountaintop and uh, there was some arguing and bickering going on. And Jesus asked, what's going on? And this father, this king father steps up and says, can you heal my son? My son is possessed with this spirit uh, that causes him to be mute. The spirit causes him to throw him, his body down on the ground, to foam at the mouth, to gnash his teeth. Um, and so we look at this father, this king father is going through this difficult situation. And so he reaches out and, uh, and passes this situation and wants help, ask for help. And so all you fathers out there right now in your life, what is challenging you right now? What is difficult for you? What do you need help with? Um, what do you need the savior to help you or to heal you from? And so I realized that this caring father had been going through this for a while. This was not something that uh, just happened um, the day before yesterday. This was something that this father was dealing with on a daily basis because Jesus even asked him, how long has this been going on? And he says, since childhood. So we know for a fact that since childhood means um, that there was some time that has passed by that this father had been tending uh, to his son who was possessed with the spirit. They said that his spirit also caused him to try to commit suicide by jumping into fire, into water. So just imagine putting yourself into this situation and going through uh, this difficult and challenging um, situation. And you finally see Christ. You finally see some uh, potential help. And he asked Jesus, if you can, if you can heal. And Jesus uh, says, if I can, Jesus replied and says, um, Everything is possible to him, to him who believes. Everything is possible to him who believes. So in your situation right now, what are you dealing with? What has gotten you down? What is, uh, are you faced with that is causing you to wrestle with? Um, I realize that there are situations that in our lives, God allows us to wrestle back and forth to deal with these situations because they strengthen us, they correct us, they rebuke us, they teach us, um, and they, uh, again, they strengthen us. As uh, somebody who has dealt with anxiety and deals with anxiety, uh, one of the things that I realize is that in the moments of these episodes of having anxiety, of having uh, these thoughts, these flares, flare-ups, if you will, those moments cause me to depend on God like I never depend on Him before. They cause me to read Scripture the way I never read before. They cause me to uh, pray like I've never prayed before. They cause me to, to lean on Him the way I never leaned on him before in my, in other ways of my life. So in your life right now, dealing with difficult situations, this father, this caring father, you as a caring father, maybe you're faced with a difficult situation right now. So I was encouraged to know that I need to, by believing all things are possible, but the father responded in a way that I think that we need to acknowledge. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of us right now in life believe that God can, that he will, but we are having a difficult uh, time 
accepting the win or the reality of that situation. So we believe, but there's still some unbelief within our minds, within our hearts, within our souls. And so uh, with, with scripture, with our faith, with our difficult situations, we need to believe, right? And to help, and we need to believe to the point where we eliminate that unbelief, right? Knowing that there are situations that maybe God will never deliver you from or that you won't be able to overcome physically, meaning in, in this life. But we know that our Savior is capable of healing, is capable of saving. And so in your life right now, I'm challenging you to accept this challenge of believing, even in your unbelief, believing that God can, believing that God will, whatever your difficult situation may be, whatever your obstacle or challenge or the adversity, the trial, the tribulation, know that God can and that he will set you free. He will help you overcome. So, um, again, I wish you all the homework that you all have, the pastor likes to say, is to read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 25, and look through it through the lens of a caring father dealing with a difficult situation but meets a savior, a capable savior, uh, and healer. Right. So think of as you look into that text, I was reminded that in our life, we care about situations. We care about our children. We care and life gets difficult. Life gets complicated. But our Savior is capable. He's able. He's able. If I could sing, I would say he's he's able. <laughs> but I want you to know that our God is Savior, our, our Savior, our Christ, our Lord is able to deliver us and to help us overcome these difficult situations. So I pray that this touched, encouraged, helped you the way it's helping me uh, to know that in dark times, I got to believe, I got to believe even in my unbelief. So all you fathers, the challenge today is to believe even in your unbelief. It's to help, it's believed to the point where you eliminate that unbelief within your mind, body, and spirit. Because we know that our God has already overcome. Jesus says, I have already overcome the world. So, and with that mindset, we have to, it's a, it's a daily choice to have that mindset, to believe even when things look dark, gloomy, and feel like you can't, there's no way out. Believe in your unbelief. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. And let us pray out. Father God, we come to you right now just saying thank you. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. We thank you for this Father's Day. We thank you for all of your love, all of your uh, unconditional love. Lord, right now we ask that you would just uh, uh, protect us as we go uh, separately, uh, spiritually from this place, uh, but never from your presence. Lord, ask that you would be with us, protect us from the crowns of our head to the soles of our feet, uh, protect us from the enemy, and protect us from ourselves. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. Happy Father's Day. City Church, uh, we hope to provide that that home, that environment where you can self-discover. Wonderfully, thankfully, uh, with City Church, it's been a haven of rest for a lot of millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, people that are looking for purpose, meaning, and life. When you come to City Church, we're glad to see you uh, as if you were family, and you are. I just haven't had a chance to meet you. City Church, you are family, and you will find a home here.